Thanks for listening to Open the Word. Today, we're throwing it back and dusting off an episode from the archives. We've had some great conversations over a decade of radio ministry that deserve to be heard again. So you might hear some new voices and old references, but we hope you still enjoy these episodes. You have found a place to belong here on the Circle of Friends. I'm Leanne Miller, and I'm here with some lovely friends, and we're here to talk about some interesting topics. So before we begin, I would love each of them to introduce themselves. Hello, I'm Amy Schlebaugh, and um, I live here in Holmes County. I met my husband in college. We have two sons that are now in college also at Wheaton. Um, Yeah, they're adults now. Yes. Weird. (laughs) (laughs) And we've got a gentleman around the table this morning, Amy's dad. Go ahead, introduce yourself, Amy's dad. I'm Bill Einstein. I'm a, uh, Amy's father, and uh, we have three other children. I'm retired for 10 years from an engineering career and uh, here to support Amy and uh, this program. Hi, I'm Carolyn Einstein, Amy's mother. And I'm here also just to support Amy and to enjoy hearing a program with her discussing her faith and her life. Yeah, that's great. Um, I have been friends with Amy for, oh, I don't know, just shy of 10 years, we'll say. And I learned early on that Amy had a lung disease, basically because if you hang out with Amy for any length of time, you notice something's going on with her breathing. So, um, so that has been interesting and enlightening for me as a friend. Um, but also, um, it's very, um, important to talk about um, disease and illness and struggle um, as it pertains to our Christian faith. Um, so often we, um, we can be in two camps. One where we just rest in our place and, and don't have much hope, and the other where we believe that if our faith is big enough that God will completely heal us. So this week we're going to kind of delve into what it looks like to live with an illness, how that integrates with our faith, where we should um, where we should land with it from Amy's perspective. Now Amy is not going to tell you how you should believe. This is going to be really from, from her place and how she's kind of navigated through her illness um, with Jesus and how that looks. So first of all, Amy, tell us a little bit about when you were diagnosed and, and what your disease is. Now, you don't have to get real technical, but mm-hmm. kind of tell us what it is that you have. Okay, sure. I was diagnosed um, with a chronic, well, serious lung disease when I was nine years old. Um, it's actually, the short acronym for it is ABPA, Allergic Bronchiopulmonary Aspergillosis. <laughs> That's currently what I have, but when I was younger, it was both invasive and allergic aspergillosis. Um yeah, I was nine. It it, it kind of boggled the doctors. It's extremely rare, and at that time, unheard of in children. Um, they did exploratory lung surgery and found this aspergillus in my lungs, and it was confusing because usually it happens with geriatric patients or people with compromised immune systems um, and older, and it's usually fatal. And so after they did this surgery, they you know, called around the world, this is before the internet, and tried to find cases of other children with it. And I believe my mom and dad can talk about this more. <laughs> I think they found a young boy in Canada who had grown up in a log cabin. And so there was no, this was just kind of unprecedented, and they had to figure out how to treat it. But the God thing is, while I was in there, um, it just so happened that the top pulmonologists across the country were meeting at Rainbow Babies and Children's, which was my hospital. And they had 
a conference, so my case was brought up. What do you do with a nine-year-old with this lung disease? And so what they had decided is they put me on this um, very, well, it wasn't chemo, but it's a toxic um, medicine. And I think, I think five doctors had a sign that yes, it was necessary. they had a sign off on it. Mm -hmm. And they would go to the extreme of covering Oh, they hooked me up every night at midnight, and they would cover the bag for the IV in foil because no sunlight could get in it. And then I'd have to be hooked up to heart monitors mm -hmm. to make sure my heart was okay as the medicine went in. So it was scary for my parents. I think for me as a kid, Rainbow, well, the miracle is I survived that. What did they tell you guys? Well, it was called amphotericin, the drug they put you on. Yeah. And um, we were, they always tell you the worst, so you can't be shocked. And the worst was bad. We, I... It was a, didn't expect her to live beyond a year. Mm -hmm. And then you think she wouldn't even get to school, and let alone go on to high school, et cetera. So um, we were just hoping to hear that she'd survive at all for any mm -hmm. length of time at that, mm -hmm. from listening to them. Yeah. And mm -hmm. the miracle was I did great. I took that medicine. Oh, I think I was in the hospital for between two and three months that time. Mm -hmm. Three months. And the miracle is... I survived another six years, and I had I happened to be hospitalized when that group of pulmonologists came back to Rainbow Baby and Children. They meet every six years, and they threw out my case again. And so many of the doctors are like, "I remember her, and I can't believe she's still alive." So, and the miracle is, six years later, I, this time I was not hospitalized, but I was in college, and I was actually cheering. Um, which was a struggle, but also made me extra healthy during that phase. Mm -hmm. And um, my doctor, who's so dear to me, Dr. Stern, at the time, at, he was leading this conference. They had all come back, all the top pulmonologists across the country, and he was leading it. And he asked me if when he says the dilemma is what do you do with a patient whose lungs look like this, and he put up the x-rays, but who functions like this, and that was my cue to throw open back doors of the auditorium, <laughs> run down the aisle, and do, and he said, do, do back handsprings or back flip. And I'm like, Dr. Stern, I'm not a cheerleader at Cleveland State. I am at Malone College. <laughs> so, and that's not to slam Malone College cheerleaders. Some of them could do that. But I could, so I ran You're down. Like, I'll do a herky. I did, <laughs> I did a round off toe touch. And the whole auditorium of doctors erupted to their feet and clapped and wanted to talk to me afterwards. So there I am, 12 years after. Basically, they told my mom and dad, I mean, it looks like I could die that year. You know, it would be hopeful to live up throughout the year. So then, and here I am. I am going to be celebrating my 50th birthday in the fall. So um, two other fun later. stories about that, though. Um, Okay, so my doctor told me when I was 21 that he didn't think I should have children. And I remember telling him, Dr. Stern, I have to. You know, I'm either going to I'm going to try and, and hopefully adopt also. But um, so the, the, the fear wasn't that I would have a child with the disease. The fear was that carrying a child for right. nine months would be so wearing on my system. It would, he said, significantly shorten my lifespan. But um, I didn't care. So I had Charlie. And I remember being pregnant with Charlie. I felt more energy than I had my whole life. And I remember my dad saying, wouldn't it be nice if you could bottle these hormones or whatever's going on? Mm -hmm. But um, so I had a very healthy, I mean, I had high-risk doctors. I'm not to say that it was easy, but it was a very healthy pregnancy. And I had Charlie. And then I went on two years later and had Timothy. But when I was giving birth to Charlie, I remember somebody coming up from radiology and said they just had to meet me because they saw my lungs and they couldn't believe a person with that set of lungs 
was going to attempt to have a baby. Yeah. yeah. So um, he said not, and he was a young guy, did not have bedside manner of a typical doctor, but he said, oh my gosh, your lungs look like an old, old man dying of severe emphysema. And I was like, ta-da! <laughs> so, um, and another funny story, there's so many of them, but I'll, I'll limit it to one more. Um, I remember, oh, this was kind of recently, uh, maybe 10 years ago, I think right before we met, I had a pneumonia and my doctor was out of the country. And so somebody in his practice wanted to see my x-ray, wanted me to take an x-ray. And I warned him, you can't judge from a current x-ray what's going on without looking at an old x-ray because my lungs I mean you just have to see an old x-ray right. to compare of course he didn't listen to me and then he comes into the room I had went through the x-ray I had it up he had it up on the wall in the office and he came in he opened the door closed the door turned around and it's quite alarming I mean I guess it looks like Swiss cheese there's holes everywhere and um it's amazing that I function like I do yeah that's great um, a miracle yeah yeah it is I I We'll say now that we're parents and as parents, there's a different perspective from the parental view. When when you have a child who's diagnosed with something so serious and then you you have to balance hope with fear and also balance what you allow your child to do. I mean, because I'm sure Amy wanted to climb trees and cheer at Malone and all these things that you're like, what? Go no. on a go on a hayride. Go on, exactly, yeah. exactly. So, what were some of the things that you that you all kind of postured yourself, where where you parented in a way that you could allow her to express her childhood, but at the same time, you you had to exercise. Really, you had to exercise some wisdom because this isn't this isn't like a this isn't like catching the flu. Right. Right. Bill? <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> well, I'll say with Amy, uh, she doesn't understand the word no. And uh, she has a very strong spirit, and she's a go-getter. She does what, what she wants to do. I have to say also, though, her doctors um, also marveled at Amy, and he was kind of in the way I worry about things, and I would love to keep her Oh, at home. You know, at home, <laughs> yes. But he said, if Amy wants to do something, let her do it. And he meant that. He said, with her life the way it is, and if she had the will to do something, let her do it. And so I, I went from that. It was two ways. He wanted to give her the benefit of doing what she wanted, but I also felt he was letting me know that her life was risky. I mean, we right. should appreciate that we have her at all. And if her desire is to do it, let her enjoy what she's doing. And that's also one reason she's at Malone, went to Malone. She wanted to go far away to college. She wanted the experience of other things. So her father and I agreed that if she, she could go to Malone and live on campus and pretend, <laughs> have that <laughs> feeling of being away from home, even though yes. she was just a short distance from us. And I think that's helped too, that she was happy to do that. Oh, and yeah. if I know Amy, you probably had to say, could you come home so we oh could see Oh my gosh. <laughs> she, she, did, she only came home when they closed up for Thanksgiving and Christmas, and you had to go home. <laughs> yeah. She did a good job pretending then. You yeah. know, I, I would say, I would say um, back to something Bill said, and we'll revisit this, is that, you know, I, I do believe there's something within our human spirit. Mm. You know, I think that, I think there's something to be said about 
the the drive and the strength of the human spirit. Yes. And I would say that as persuasive as Amy is at almost 50, I cannot imagine how persuasive she was at 12. And I know at one point she wore a little eye patch that she painted with an eyeball on it. Mm -hmm. I would have hard time saying no to her about anything. Um, but hay rides, I'd probably have to draw the line on the hay rides. Oh, so. hay rides are hard. Yeah. I think, did you say yes or did I wait? Toss older? No, you went. You went. You, <laughs> oh no, you no, you went on the hayride. One <laughs> one one issue was that if you had your mind made up to do something, it, it you went on the hayride. You had a great time. You come home, and I'm still amazed that you were able to do that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It is true. There's so much work and investment and care and, and knowing where to put your lines of discipline, where to put your lines of limitations. Mm -hmm. So as it pertains to a child with any kind of chronic illness, I, I it would be so hard. And this was before the internet, right? Right. So this Absolutely. would have been before the internet because I can yeah. imagine, Bill, if it was in modern day, you'd be on the internet doing all kinds of research. So mm -hmm. what would you go to the light? What would you do? Because I'm sure you researched her illness. Did you read about I used, it? Did I you used to have it? a memory, and it was such a wonderful thing. <laughs> Did you trust the doctors? Did you consult with the doctors? Because I know Rambo Babies has an incredible reputation. We did a lot of reading on uh, aspergillosis and uh, her issues, and uh, talking with her doctors uh, helped a lot. But uh, it was a scary time, not a lot... Uh, particular to her situation because uh, it was a rather rare occurrence. Did did doctors tell you anything you should or shouldn't do or I know you mentioned that they said that the one doctor said basically just if Amy wants to do something let her do it mm -hmm. but were there signs you look for that she needs to slow down or we need to take her in or? Tell, to be honest we were so sure she wasn't going to live long that we pretty much wanted her to experience mm -hmm. anything she mm -hmm. wanted. Mm -hmm. It To me, a, a year was a miracle. And honestly, um, when she had her children, I didn't want her to have the babies because I wanted Amy. Mm -hmm. Well, of course, I'm glad she had faith and didn't listen to me because I so love those boys. Mm. So it, it, her, it, 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 her faith, to me, is a miracle in itself, and right. having her That's boys good. was a miracle. And honestly... Any, any extra day we have with her, to me, is a gift. So I, I never dreamed we'd be at this point back yeah. then, yes. you know, when I first was hearing it point. in the beginning. Now, once she got through college, I started seeing a hope that there was going to be longer. But honestly, I, I felt God had given me a gift for any time she had. And when I first worked and she was first married, any time I had a day off, I so wanted to make sure I got to be with Amy any time I could in her life because I didn't know how long she'd live. I always came down here to visit. I always visited Amy on my days off because I didn't know how many days I had with her. Now here she is at this age, and I've got the grandchildren, and heavens, I've got other children too, and how lucky I am for all of them, you know, right. thankful for it all, and here Amy's still here with us right. too. And I'm sure there was doubts for you all. I mean, you know, there's got to be some questioning and some doubting that goes on when your child's faced with dying, you know, and you're faced with losing a child, how do you, how did you navigate those feelings and, and, and how did you deal with it with your faith? Because that, that feels hard. That was, that feels hard. That feels hard to want to keep believing. For me, that was never a problem. I, of course, worried that we might lose Amy, that I, I did not have the complete faith that she would survive, but I had complete faith that she was with God 
and that any moment that I had with her was a gift from God and how lucky we were that we had this child and that we had her the length of time we had Amy. It was never a lack of faith with my thinking of God why because things how happen about, to how everyone. About you, Bill? A uh, major memory that I have was leaving the hospital after uh, three months and they told us that Amy's chances of survival were not good. That was probably the worst day of my life. Sweet. And here so we are. <laughs> yeah. So how did you navigate that, Bill? Did you just did you just did you just keep moving? Did you pray? Did you you know, how do you get through it? We were very involved in a church group that provided a lot of support. Mm -hmm. We had uh, family members who mm -hmm. jumped in and uh, took care of our children. And uh, I kind of retreated into a uh, an activity called windsurfing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Spent a lot of time... Uh, On the ocean. Yeah. Uh, hanging out with friends and uh, learning new skills, but uh, it was an escape. There's no question about it. Uh, but at the same time, uh, she was always on my mind, always an inspiration, and uh, couldn't have asked for a better experience. Great. Now, you still windsurf, don't you? Yes. Um, and how old are you? If you don't mind me 75. asking. 75 and you windsurf. You also snowboard. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you Took do. that up four years ago. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. So do you feel like, like if there's a dad listening, like that's facing something serious with a child, do you feel like finding an outlet like that's really important for a lot of men? All I can say is that it really helped me. It was a, let's say, a... Uh, alternative to sitting and worrying mm -hmm. and uh, it, 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 it did, uh, did it readjust your perspective and your focus because when you when you experience things like the ocean and the wind oh no question yeah no question riding the wind is just even today it's phenomenal um, so the, if you go out there and you get your leg, bitten by a great white shark, you're fine going out that way, right? Absolutely. Yep, yep. <laughs> and maybe that's where I get a little bit of my... Yeah. I going to say this is some of her adventure, and also it's one of the reasons I think that I can cope with Matt. If he, if he loses a leg, I'll say he's happy. <laughs> he, it happened because he's happy. Uh, and, uh, seriously, I was sitting here listening to Mom answer that question for Leanne, mm -hmm. and I thought, oh, maybe that's where I get that. Mm -hmm. And then hearing Dad answer that, I thought, oh... That's where I get that. Right. You asked mom if she ever doubted, if her faith was ever rocked when she found out mm -hmm. that I had this diagnosis. Yeah. And I could say, mom, I've heard her say this verbally, not just in my case, but over and over I've heard my mom say, when bad things hit, she, she doesn't understand the questioning, why me? Because we know these things happen. Mm -hmm. And mom always says, why not me? I love yeah. that, Mom. And I've just heard you say that over and over. And I watched your face when she asked you the question, like, well, no, because you never did no. doubt. I'm just an amazing faith. And it's not just me. My brother's diabetic. Mom's gone through a lot of issues of her own. She survived breast cancer twice. They have some drama from when they were young. My mom <laughs> had her a miscarriage. My dad had to sign up for the draft because of the miscarriage. He went to Vietnam. He was critically 
He was shot in the hospital for a year. And so they their lives have not been easy. But mom, through it all, has always like never, ever, ever doubted God or that did not well, without, affect your relationship him with God. And my faith in him, I couldn't have survived. I mean, yeah. that's it's just, it just, God was always there for me. And I truly pray that that feeling is there for all my children. Okay. For their, what they have in life. Yeah. You know, God will give them that strength. Yeah. And then as far as living life to its full net, fullest and not worrying about the repercussions, mm-hmm. man, Dad, I get that from you. So yes. that hayride, <laughs> that was all you. Because <laughs> mom has said, Dad has done dangerous things. And I remember yeah. when I was in high school, he was out during a storm on the ocean, and he didn't come home for hours. I remember crying and mom saying, you know what? She gave up worrying about dad a long time ago. And she said pretty much what she said now. Yeah. If he dies, he dies doing what he loves. And she can't she can't stress over him because she'd go crazy. So, <laughs> Well, have you ever heard that down. saying, the idle, an idle mind is the devil's playground? Yeah. You know, if yes. you would have just sat on a couch in a worried. living room and worried mm-hmm. and not taken up windsurfing mm-hmm. or not done some things to remind mm-hmm. you that the world's a bigger place and that we, you know, we serve a pretty grand and big mm-hmm. God, you know, it would, I think you can go almost crazy you could. with you worry. You certainly could. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Especially, especially if you're facing something um, like a chronic illness and death. I mean, those are things mm-hmm. that's a little bit different than worrying about whether you're child's FAFSA report comes back, um, you know, beneficial to your family. I mean, it is a different, you know, you're talking Mm -hmm. about a different, you're talking about a different set of life rules there and a different, you know, a different way of dealing with your everyday life when Mm -hmm. you don't know if you have, you know, tomorrow. Um, And I will say that I think that you've parented that way too, Amy. Mm -hmm. You and Tim have parented in a way that the boys are full of adventure Mm -hmm. and full of, I mean, you're, Charlie's in, is he in Germany? Right now Do he's you in Switzerland. Know where he is? Oh, Switzerland. <laughs> but he just dove off a cliff. Everybody else is jumping off, and they had been in there 20 minutes, and so he thought, oh, I feel pretty confident diving. He actually told me a story about him and a girl. He told this girl, I think I'm going to dive, and the girl ran ahead of him and dove. But So it was just the two of them that dove. But, yeah, he's diving off cliffs in Switzerland right now. <laughs> yes, he, the, you know, both are very full of adventure. Uh, in fact, um, he I've seen him dive off things that I'm like, hmm, I don't think I would have done that. But um, mm-hmm. I I think that you've parented that way, that you know, mm-hmm. the boys live pretty full lives. And I think it's an, I think it's important that we live life to the fullest every day we've been yeah. given. And I think that, um, you know, when, you, when you're keenly aware that <clears throat> this might be your last day, right. you mm-hmm. live differently. So tell me um, how you have navigated your faith with your illness. Hmm. Well... Absolutely, my illness has been a blessing. <laughs> I know <clears throat> that may sound odd to some people, but I know some people get it. Um, when I was nine, um, I absolutely, 100%, no, no, God could have healed me, 100%. He can heal me today, 100%. I believe that. I have full faith in that. But I also know sometimes there's a reason um, with not being healed. And um, my parents, when I was in the hospital, my dad mentioned the church we were in. He brought the elders. We, we were in Cleveland, and our church was in Hartville, so it was an hour drive. The elders of our church came up, surrounded me, prayed over me, anointed me with oil, and we believed that God could heal me, and um, full faith. So I was not healed. I was not not healed because of a lack of faith. I was, um, God chose to give me a miracle in a different way. Like, I just keep going and going mm-hmm. and ticking and ticking. And honestly, if he had healed me 100% when I was nine, I think human nature is to kind of, yeah, that's awesome, but then forget about it. 
because um, what I do, I live with this daily. And I've thought about this actually with the past two years with my health going down further. It is way more visible that I have a handicap. Um, I've lived in this community forever and I'm a high energy person. And a lot of people don't know about my disease because like I said, I live, I'm high energy, but what they don't know is if I do something, I have to go home and rest maybe a full day to feel good enough to do something right. else. Right. So it's kind of, um, what do you call those kind of things? Mental. People it's say hidden. this about a hidden <laughs> illness, like mental illness. Mm -hmm. Yes, a hidden illness in some ways. But now that it's declined, it's obvious. You know, you're with me, you walk up steps with me, it's obvious. I'm struggling mm -hmm. to breathe. And it gives me more opportunities to glorify God because it's visible. And so I can talk about these things that God's done. I can talk about, oh my gosh, when people feel bad for me, gosh, I, my doctor literally, I went in to do oxygen tests to see if I needed portable oxygen. My doctor cried. And I remember telling him, this is good. This is what I want. I love, the oxygen at home has helped me so much. I want the mm. oxygen. This is good. We. This is good, right? And he's, um, um, I forget where I was going with that. Um, but basically, I feel like I'm thriving. I can't breathe, but I'm thriving. And it's been a blessing. I have an outlook on life that I would never have had if I hadn't survived this or, you know, come from where I came from and, and had that prognosis of probably dying within a year or three months, whatever it was. Um, it, life is a gift, and I know, I understand what you're saying. It sounds like the Christianese mm -hmm. thing to say, but um, it's 100% real. Um, the ways I've been blessed, I, I try not to take things for, um, each day for granted. Um, I think sometimes I can slip into that, but I don't hold on tight to my children. I let them live. I, um, I'm so thankful. My relationship with God has become so deep, and um, I just think it's so much more real through the mm -hmm. struggle. And I know that's true with everybody. Um, often we grow in our struggle. You know, our struggles yes. are the times where we grow deeper with Christ. Um, do, you, do you feel like uh, the fight for... Like sometimes, like if we do something, if we walk out to the beach and back, you know, we vacation together. Mm -hmm. When you're fighting for your breath, do you feel like, do you feel like it makes you more grateful for, for you, when you have to fight for something, mm -hmm. when you have to struggle through mm -hmm. something, I think there is a truth that we become more grateful for that thing. Mm -hmm. So if you have to struggle for air, it makes you more grateful for air. It makes mm -hmm. you even more grateful for the oxygen, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. by the way, you, Amy, let me try her oxygen. I'm not, I, I felt like it was, um, um, what were we saying when I was trying your you were, oxygen? You felt like you were suffocating. Yeah. I, it was just blowing up my nose. I was like, no, I can't do it. She slid and off the chair. She, I mean, it's pretty dramatic. <laughs> Amy said she's almost like Pablo's dogs. When she sees the oxygen, she's like, oh, I want yes. that. Yes. Like yes. I thought it really wasn't helping. The, the first step was using oxygen at night. And then my doctor or other people would say, is that helping? And I think, you know, I don't know. It's relaxing. But what I'm really needing is help up the steps or help mm -hmm. to do the thing. And I don't know if it at night is helping me with that. But it was like Pavlov's dog because I'm a night owl. I don't look forward to going to bed. But when I thought about the oxygen, I thought, ooh, I get to lay. <laughs> Seriously, my body was craving it. I didn't even know. Um, so in those moments where I can't breathe, yes, you take things Yes. You do cherish things that normal people take for granted. There is that. Um, that's true. But the blessings don't stop. Every So often I'm like, I, I, I have a certain outlook or a certain thing or a certain characteristic, and people ask, you know, how is that or whatever. So much of it ties to being raised this way, being raised yes. not knowing that I'll be alive next year. And I can't say that's, like, on my mind all the time, but I just I think being raised like this gives you a definite different perspective. And I know my doctor, my, one of my older doctors, 
um, cystic fibrosis doctors, he says they're, his cystic fibrosis patients are so special, you know, if they get to adulthood at that time. When I first was diagnosed, CF, the average lifespan was 14. But obviously, some um, live to be older. But he said his CF patients, like, um, as adults, how unique, and, and, and he gave me different things that happen with, that he finds with kids that have a prognosis of death. Something mm-hmm. happens in them mm-hmm. that makes them extremely special, and um, he sees that. So, well, I think that's part of the blessing. I mean, I think that's part, I think you're defining also how it's a blessing to other people because people see the difference mm-hmm. in a person that knows how special their life is and how special it is to be alive. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and I'm, and I'm certainly not discounting mm-hmm. you saying that the, that your disease has been a blessing. It's just something that I've, it's true. Yeah. It, it, it feels like a, almost like a phrase sometimes that people say, and I want to know thing exactly, they're supposed to say as right, a I want to know yeah. exactly what that means because it just, I, I want to say as your friend, no, no, it's not. It's not a blessing. <laughs> but I see you live it out. Mm-hmm. So I know that you believe that. Mm-hmm. I know that you believe that this has mm-hmm. given you a different a different life, and not a, not a life of someone who has normal lungs, mm-hmm. but a life of someone who, you know, believes that this is, well, it, it, it reminds me of Paul, the thorn. You know, mm-hmm. he, he was living with a thorn in his side that God, that he feels that God allowed to be placed there and stay there. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, it kind of reminds me of that. I'm not special in this. I mean, I really feel like as believers in Christ, if we believe what we say we believe, mm-hmm. there are, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there are lessons in everything. everything. Yes. And, I, and, and I know this might sound like the Christian thing to say, but it's so true. I just want everything I do to glorify God. And when things are thrown at me that are hard, like anybody else, like I'm not saying my lung disease is hard, but there's other things that are very hard. I really have never felt my lung disease was hard, but I've experienced things that are hard. Um, in that, I look for the I look for the lesson, right, right, and I look right. for, and I really think that's what we all should be doing. Do we believe what we say we believe? You know, God turns, um, uses all things for the good for those that love Him. I think that's um, Romans eight twenty eight, and I believe it. And so I'm looking for that thing that's going to turn this to good. And even if it's not my good, ultimately it is my good because to bring God glory mm-hmm, is for my mm-hmm, good. Mm-hmm. And so. Um, that might sound trite. That might sound cliche, but it's true. Yeah, it's and true. Um, it's it's what it's also the 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 verse that talks about what the enemy intends for evil, God totally. intends for good. You know, so we either believe that he's in it for our good and good can come out of it because we live in a fallen mm-hmm. world. These these things will happen. They do happen. We live mm-hmm. in a broken place. Mm-hmm. I mean. Here's what I, one of the blessings I thought of, and there are just so many. I wish I would have made a list before we did this, but... um. One of the things, I went through a phase when my kids were little, right after having them, I'd say from infants to fifth or sixth grade, I was sick all the time. You know, I got pneumonias like four or five times a year. I had to have help where people helped me with my kids. I remember laying on the floor, sitting on the floor, and let my kids climb on me and crawl on me and just being on the floor with them because I really, I couldn't get off the floor. And so, um, but in those times, not when I was that sick, but in times where... I had to be super protective of my health. Like I said, people didn't know I would be the Bible school teacher. Every week I did Bible school. The next week I was sick. Um, It was hard for me to say no back in those days. So I did a lot of good, you know, service type things. But my family suffered in Mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. I was out and Tim had to pick up the slack. Right, right. So, um, but I get better at saying no. In the 40s, I got better. And I'm getting better every day. (laughs) You are so good. Because I worry what people think, you know. 
what it looks like. You know, they need Sunday school leaders. People aren't signing up for Sunday school. I know that's important. I don't want to give the message that it's not. So I do it, even though I know I shouldn't have, you know? Mm -hmm. So, and I think this is what we need to learn at the book. You know, your, what is the book Beth has talked about? Your best yes. There's times where you can say yes to very good things, but it's taking up time for it's the things for you, you should yes. be saying mm-hmm. yes to. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so I had to get over that, worrying what people think and doing too much. But anyways, in this time period where I really had to take it slow, it was time where I could sit and meditate on God's word. Mm-hmm. I could read through the Bible. I could spend precious time alone with God. And during that phase, um, yeah, I don't want to go through the long story how I was challenged to do this, but I um, was challenged to read through the Bible every year. And if you read five chapters a day, five days a week. You can get through the Bible in 11 months. It's not a plan, you know, somebody's specific plan. I would like, okay, read five one day, skip two and catch up, you know, days later. But basically that's phenomenal, I think. Five chapters a day, that takes a half hour and you can get through the Bible in 11 months with two days off. Mm -hmm. So it's a loose plan. Mm -hmm. So I did that um, three years in a row and then the healthier I got, I it would take two years to get through the Bible, and then three years. So I, I remember in that time period, get period of like seven or eight years, getting through the Bible five times. I could, I don't want to say I couldn't do that, if I was healthy and running around and busy like everybody else. But my disease forces me to slow down and not mm-hmm. be busy, mm-hmm. and that's not easy in today's society. And I should be doing it more now. But um, the benefit was that precious time with God and mm-hmm. those moments in God's Word with God. Um, are so beneficial in changing our lives that those sweet seven years where I was very sick, but spending that kind of quality time with God, um, I remember thinking, gosh, I, at noon, like I'd get up early in the morning and start, you know, my time with God and noon would roll around. I'd be like, I don't want to stop. Mm-hmm. And that was precious. And that was only because of my disease. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Blessing. That's good. Yeah, that's good. Yes, you have definitely found a place to belong here on the Circle of Friends. We're so glad that you have joined us around this table. Thanks for listening today. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. We'd love to hear from you, so find us on Facebook and Instagram at Open the Word Podcast or send us an email to openthewordpodcast at gmail.com. Is it time for you to plan a day trip with your peeps? Come and stay a while at Shia Market in Berlin. There is something for everyone, no matter what your taste or style may be. Visit the Village Gift Barn for your custom floral arrangements and timeless accessories for your home. Stroll upstairs to Shia Style Boutique for your perfect outfit. Everything from accessories to shoes. Be inspired at country gatherings with decor from modern farmhouse to transitional design. Then, meander through the gardens for a large selection of houseplants. And last but not least, order your perfect cup of brew at the Buggy Brew Coffee Company. End your day by gathering to relax in our courtyard. You will leave feeling connected and refreshed.